Where'd you find this? Like Craig showing up. Episode 105. Yeah, what color's Craig? Is he still blue ring of death, right? No, he's he's still Jaguar blue. How is your computer not dead? I don't know. Yeah, speaking of speaking of uh, unfathomably bad injuries, this is episode 105 TH Fantasy. I'm Tony, joined as always by Ryan, Shane, and Craig. It's good to see you guys. Um, at the risk of anybody getting hurt, let's hop. Let's talk recaps really quick because last week had every team in action, and every team left incredibly beaten up. Yeah, a lot of upsets. Kansas City losing at Denver. The Bears losing to the Chargers. Oh, I saw that from a mile away. <laughs> hey, I called that Tyson Bajan line though, didn't I? You did, but I also <laughs> want to say that like you gotta you gotta admit right now on air, on record, you gave the Bears more credit than they deserved. Oh, hundred percent. It's true. <laughs> but like I, I went through like the triangle process of okay, the Bears destroyed the fucking Raiders, and we barely eked out the win against the Raiders. So it should have been more close than it was. But Justin Fields, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? The whole yeah. finagle. But yeah, no, I, I was incorrect on that. And I was also incorrect on my uh, DJ Moore over on yardage by like 0.7 yards, which pissed me off. But yeah. it is what it is. Yeah, I took yeah. a bad I took a bad Drake London beat uh, in like a three-leg parlay last week too. But there's just certain teams where I just cannot confidently bet on them. It's... Unless it's like really, really low, right? Like Falcons are one of them. Pittsburgh's one of them. Titans are one of them. Like I just, I don't want to touch those teams for betting purposes because it's just so ugly. I hit a nice Titans bet last night though. Must be nice. Yeah. I took, uh, let's see, Jalen Warren's over receptions, two and a half. I had his over in yards, which was like 19 and a half. The two passes that Kenny Pickett made. Yeah. I had took the under on the game, uh, which squeaked out. It was I yeah. got it at thirty six and a half. Um, I had Derrick Henry's over in rush yards. He had seventy five, and I took his over in receiving yards. He had like thirty. So I put all those together. I want a two dollar bet. I won like uh, like thirty bucks. Hell yeah! I was so every week. My guy Chris, who listens to the podcast, what up, Chris? Um, he's always like, all right, man, hundred percenter, got to give me a three legger, hundred percenter. <laughs> and so I sent him one that I did and it was Chig over or Chig three or more receptions, Najee 40 plus rushing and Derrick Henry 80 plus rushing. And Chig had zero catches until the last drive when he got three and Waleed and I are laughing and I'm like, oh, Derrick Henry has 75 yards. This doesn't even matter. They're not running the ball. So we ended five yards short of the parlay, and I'm like, I'm such a motherfucker. Oh, no. But that's okay because we have a lot to figure out for fantasy going forward because we have a bunch of quarterbacks that got hurt or got benched. Will Levis had his first start last week. Looked really good. Second start didn't look as good, but still looked way better than Ryan Tannehill, right? Yeah, yeah Ryan Tannehill's but, done. But, but Tomlin is really good at game scripting against rookie quarterbacks. So I saw that coming. I did. I, he wasn't going to have another four touchdown game. He's still oh, no, for almost 300 yards though. You know what I mean? Like for hearing yeah. that for a Titans team and watching like the actual game where it's not eight people on the line and two people in coverage. It was so bizarre. I felt like I was watching it. I'm like, is this the, the same team? Is this the Titans that I normally enjoy? Right. right. 
but we know how that one looks. And similarly, we kind of know how um, the Raiders are going to look because Aiden O'Connell is pride of uh, the Lake County suburbs, is now the starting quarterback. We've seen him play before, but they benched Jimmy G after firing Josh McDaniels. First one of the year. They fired the whole coaching staff, basically. They're like, hey, they sure they look like they're having fun, man. I like. We talked about it a couple weeks, and like, I think a team having fun again yields, yields the good football. You know what I mean? Like, they're gonna sure. try and get. They're gonna try, right? Yeah. Right. So Desmond Ritter got benched for Taylor Heineke, Shane's uh, Bizarro, my mid-tier king of the week, dude. I don't know what I. It's like he's a maga dude. It sucks, but like, for I think I just strive to be that fucking mediocre in my life, but also achieve like achieve fandom and like generic quarterback money right like you don't got to do much but you got to just be better than the worst person in front of you he's gonna be an amazing hey do you remember taylor heineke in like 15 years yeah in episode 1000 (laughs) 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 um so then uh we've got matthew stafford's injured thumb uh i'm super worried about that they're kind of downplaying that but i'm like bro they had he had surgery on this thumb like this is a big deal and he hit it twice he heard it twice in the game yeah Tyrod Taylor's ribs, which I think is a big deal because that team has looked so bad and he made it at least stable for a minute. That yeah. I think Tyrod is just built to die on the NFL team. Like yeah. no matter what happens, dude, he just has the most horrific injury luck. Like it's wild to see. I mean, like God bless him for getting paid and having a career, but fuck, like that dude has been through car accidents. Would Tyrod Taylor be an MVP in the Canadian Football League? I think so. Yeah, I th- I think so. And I think whenever the XFL and the USFL merge, I'm sure he's going to have like the first overall draft slot. Yeah, him or PJ Walker. Uh, and so let's talk the the big one, and that's the Achilles injury of Kirk Cousins. Everything's fucked. R.I.P. Like he was playing so good, and like we said, like I, I was saying that he was going to have a career year, and he was on trend, and then the fantasy yeah. gods took everything from us. I, but, yeah. I still have I still have confidence though in Jordan Addison and Jefferson whenever or if he comes back, just because they you know they picked up Dobbs during the week. He's obviously not going to start this week. Uh, it's going to be that rookie. What's his name? Wall. Jaron Hall. Can't remember his first name. Hall. 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 Not, not Wall. J- JV um, Kyler Murray, as we attributed yeah. to in our rookie yeah. scouting. Um. Yeah. So this this week might not be good for uh minnesota wide receivers hawk might still get a decent amount of targets just because of check downs yeah but um hawk's gonna catch dude hawk is gonna catch nine passes for 38 yards and you you know what that's 11 points and i'll take that shit (laughs) (laughs) that time i'll take that shit every day of the week unless this hall guy has a crazy game this week i think dobbs starts the following week yeah um he looked pretty decent with the throwing game in Arizona, so I think he can uh, get that playbook down. And he's competent. That's all that matters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, you know what scares me though, if I'm being honest with you, is like I've watched a bunch of Arizona games because I really secretly like what that offense is doing. And even though I've said it like every week since the season started, so like the thing that makes that offense so good is that they let Josh Dobbs create. And they they give him a lot of RPOs and they give him a lot of opportunities to to move the pocket. 
That is absolutely not what the Minnesota Vikings ask a quarterback to do. And that does worry me a little bit. Okay. It is concerning, but also like the O-line is so much better in Minnesota. So that he might have more time in the pocket to allow him to extend that play, right? Like they won't use the same style that he's used to. He will be asked to be the more statuesque quarterback, especially since they don't have a running game compared to uh, Arizona. But I think it'll be okay. I, I think it's a fine move because they're not waving the white flag on the season, but also I don't know what's going to happen for next season because Justin Jefferson has come out and stated that he wants Kirk Cousins as his quarterback. And I'm like, hey, they can't pay both of you. <laughs> Sorry. Right. That's right. just the way that the money train works. Either you take a gigantic cap hit for your skill ceiling and you kind of fuck yourself for the next six years, or you just kind of bite the bullet and eat crow for the rookie that they draft. You might, honestly, I think they might. There's a possibility we could franchise Justin Jefferson. Yeah. So we'll see. I don't know. Uh, I do want to point out before we hop into our guys, I I have I went and looked through my best ball teams, which I should never do. I'm gonna remember that next year. After you draft, don't <laughs> they don't they don't fucking exist. Like I had a team in Best Ball Mania three, the twenty five dollar entry with the three million dollar grand prize. So it works where like you do blocks of twelve, right? Where your draft is. And then the winner first and second place move on to the next week and then you're in the money. And then each week it halves. Right, so like okay. playoffs start week fourteen or whatever week thirteen. I had this team that was up by a hundred and fifty points on anybody else in my block, and my team was Bijan, Najee, David Montgomery, Raheem Mostert, DJ Moore, Devonte Adams, Adam Thielen, Rashid Shahid, Dalton Kincaid. Like, I was like, oh, what up? Let's do this. My two quarterbacks are Kirk Cousins and Anthony Richardson. Oh, no. <laughs> well, let's just hope for the boom, right? <laughs> let's just hope for the boom. Just flush $25 down the toilet. Because I looked at that and I'm like, damn, that's a fucking squad, man. Yeah. So, no such luck. Um, so, but anyways, go ahead. I did notice today, since we talked a little Arizona, it seems like some of the lines went up. Does that mean Kyler's playing this weekend? They haven't confirmed or denied anything. I don't think he's going to, but I think they want to kind of leave the idea in their heads that he might. Yeah, I yeah. think you kind of got to play bait. Because who do they play? They play the... Oh, uh, they, play Cle- they play Cleveland. They play Cleveland. Yeah, don't send Kyler out there to die. No. Just let just let Clayton Toon go out there and get murdered by Miles Garrett. Yeah, <laughs> it it seems like a wise investment to not ask your quarterback rehabbing a torn ACL to go against the team that's going to require him to run constantly. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Speaking of Shane. Can I get my hot take? You got this. All right. So I watched universal soldier last night. <laughs> so I'm doing, I'm doing this 300 yes. movie event <laughs> and I was watching that movie and I was like, this is a blatant ripoff of Terminator. And you know what? Universal soldier is a better movie than Terminator. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> It's a hot take, I know. That's brave. Holy shit. That's braver I'm, than the troops. I'm also a Terminator 1 hater. I will not argue Terminator 2. That is a different yeah, type of on. movie. But you can't. T2 is way better. But T like Universal Soldier was just goofy enough. It was also my style of action movie. It was so stupid. And they finally figured out the role for Jean-Claude Van Damme of like, 
He doesn't have charisma. Make him a robot. Same with Dolph Lundgren. He's a robot. Do not give them personalities. Just make them be robotic. It had some weird Vietnam thing. You saw John claude Van Damme's ass. It was great. You, that movie fucking rips. I am not going to lie. Universal Soldier is a banger. It's on Prime. So if you got Amazon, check it out. I, I think... It sucks because, like, when Katie and I first started dating, I'm like, look, one of the prerequisites is you have to watch T2. And she's like, well, I've never seen T1. And I'm like, yeah, okay. You don't, you don't need it. It's fine. Well, I, we compromised. I'm like, can we, well, we're going to watch a 30-minute YouTube recap of T1, and then we're going right into T2. Which is fair. Like, okay, here's my criticism of T1. This is, like, some weird... I'm not even religious, but some weird like Puritan part of my brain is <laughs> I do not like romance in movies. I don't know if it's because I have like some repressed incel part of my brain that I've squashed besides this singular form of entertainment. But like, I do not like romance in movies and I understand the purpose of romance in Terminator, the first one, but I don't need that shit in the movie. I just want to see Arnold Schwarzenegger blow shit up. And you know what? That's what T2 is for. So I just, I just skip T1. Yeah. I don't give a shit. I think the only reason that romance is part of action movies is like back in the day they figured out, well, we can get more people in the seats if these guys bring their girlfriends to those movies and then maybe they'll enjoy a little bit of it. Correct. Like someone at the Discord one time was like, hey, I need to take someone out for a date. What should I do? And every (laughs) permanently single guy was like, take her to see Top Top Gun Gun. 2. And we're like, no, wrong answer. (laughs) Yeah, it was like, well, I don't, I don't like any of the other movies. It's like, dude, it's not about what you like. <laughs> are you trying? Are you trying to impress this person or not? Like, can you compromise? Granted, like, granted, Mission Impossible, not Mission Impossible. Those movies are not good. Um, <laughs> Top Gun Two is a great movie, but if you're a permanently single or fifty year old dad, those are the only two avenues that that movie works. Anything yeah. else, you got to go some somewhere else. But yeah, Ryan, you are correct. You, you do have to play to both <laughs> fields, right? All right. on, our, on our sports podcast of single men. <laughs> yeah. Ryan, let's uh, let's talk about some more dudes. Sure. I'll, I'll talk about a dude. All right. All right. All right. This week, we're going to talk Tony Dorsett. Oh. All right. He was born in uh, Western Pennsylvania as a high school sophomore in 1970. Uh, he started at cornerback because he was only 147 pounds and was only like 5'10", 5'11 at the time. Dude, so dude, he wanted he's to just play, like me. Yeah, he wanted to play. He wanted to play running back real bad, but the coach was like, "Nah, dude, you, you're you're gonna get killed." And sure. so he started out playing uh, cornerback. But in 1971, a competition between Dorset and uh, sophomore Michael Kimbrough. For, at the starting running back, ended after Dorsett took a screen pass for 75 yards and a touchdown and cementing his role as the starting running back. 72, he was All-State. He set a single-game rushing record of 247 yards and a single-season rushing record of 1,238 yards. Ooh. And that year, his high school had a 9-1 season. He also started all those games at cornerback as well. So he ended up going to the University of Pittsburgh. He became the first freshman in 29 years to be named an All-American, going all the way back to Doc Blanchard in 1944. He finished his second season 
in the nation in rushing with 1,586 yards in 11 games and led the Pittsburgh Panthers to its first winning season in 10 years. Wow. Yeah. He was uh, Pittsburgh's first All-American selection since 1963. This guy got started early. He had his first son in 1973, which was his his freshman year at Pittsburgh. My man. Uh, Got that game check. Later that season, (laughs) later that season, um, he faced some criticism when it became known that his son was born out of wedlock, with some observers contending that he should drop out of school and marry his son's mother and financially support his family. But how are you going to do that if you drop out of school? You can do both. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So if anything, that motivated him to do even better in his professional football career. We all know that the Dallas Cowboys, well, most people know that the Dallas Cowboys drafted Dorsett in 1977. Uh, Scouts were skeptical about Dorsett's potential at the professional level because of his small size and didn't think he would last more than a few seasons. Um, And he proved them wrong. Yes. And this is going back to my famous episode 100 profile of Tom Landry. Dorsett got to play for Landry because, you know, um, basically Landry coached the Dallas Cowboys uh, for like 100 years (laughs) in the 1900s. Yeah. So in 1977, uh, he provided an instant impact. He rushed for over 1,000 yards and even had a 206-yard game against the Eagles. He had 12 touchdowns. Clearly won Rookie of the Year uh, that year. No shit. He set a new Cowboys record and was also the only Cowboy to rush for more than 1,000 yards uh, in a, his rookie season. He held that rookie for 39 – he held that record for 39 years uh, when Ezekiel Elliott uh, did it in 2016. Okay. He just went on and did awesome. He rushed – in his career, Dorsett rushed for 12,739 yards and 77 touchdowns in his 12-year career. He also had 13 receiving scores and even a fumble recovery for a touchdown. Uh, in January 1983, during a Monday night football game in Minnesota, Dorsett broke a 99-yard touchdown run against the Vikings, which is the longest uh, run from scrimmage in NFL history, outside of Derrick Henry doing it. Uh, in 2018, Dorsett broke the previous record of 97 yards, which was sent by Andy Urum in 1939 and Bob Cage in 1949. The Cowboys only had 10 men on the field at the time, as <laughs> fullback Ron Springs was unaware of the play being called. Uh, despite that, the Cowboys, this, all those feats in that game, they still lost 27 to 31, yes. beginning the decline of Tom Landry's career of being really bad in the 80s and eventually forcing his retirement. Dorsett made the Pro Bowl four times in his career, and he rushed for over a thousand yards in eight of his first nine seasons. Of, of his 12 NFL seasons, he surpassed a thousand yards eight times. Oh, yeah, during the strike-shortened 82 season, which was only nine games, he had 745 yards. This is a Hall of Fame uh, player. He was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 1994. Oh, College and Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1994. So, same year. 
1999, he was ranked number 53 on the Sporting News list of 100 greatest football players. He is the first of only two players in history alongside former running back Marcus Allen, who has won the Heisman Trophy, won the Super Bowl, won the College National Championship, been enshrined in the College Football Hall of Fame, and the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Damn. One of one of two people. Wow. Goat. Right? Oh, shit. Unfortunately, he, he is still alive, but um, yeah. he does... Uh, sorry, that's I shouldn't have said that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not unfortunately, he is still alive. Fortunately, he is still alive, but unfortunately, um, he has shown signs of CTE in his later life, and specifically um, himself has been said that he suffers severe memory loss. Um, I'm thinking it's more long-term memory because that's usually what's affected by Alzheimer's and CTE the most. Sure. It'll be interesting to see what happens when he eventually dies if he gives his brain to science, which I'm sure he will. And most likely it will come out that uh, he has some form of CTE. But that is one of the greatest running backs in NFL football history, Tony Dorsett. Tony Dorsett, man. That rules. 12 years as a running back, too. That is wild. Yeah. And and being less than 200 pounds and only 5'11". So what we're saying is Devon Achan, 15-year career, here we come. Easy. Dude, 20. Easy. <laughs> He's playing 20 years. He also ran a 4-3. I was looking up the stats. Like, think back in the day before, like, sports was like a science, right? These These athletes were conditioned their whole lives went to school and all these programs was like this guy's just like a normal human being who's just born a freak athlete yeah sure can i go next i have a ct i have a ct guy yeah four three huh that's crazy yeah Yeah. so initially my segment was going to be a junk a a dunk on josh mcdaniels but knowing how the nfl works we're going to go see this guy until the end of time yeah even though this guy probably does have cte too so we're going to go back to arrests with chris henry oh chris chris henry chris chris henry chris Chris, we're going to find out all right let's see chris Chris Henry did the trifecta of sports in high school, football, basketball, and track. He would redshirt at West Virginia University due to academics, where he, he would earn freshman of the year in 2003 within the Big East Conference after going for 41 catches for 1,006 yards and 10 touchdowns. Henry was the second nice. player in school history to go over 1,000 yards in a season and had a 24.5 yards per reception, third most in school history. He set a bunch of other records. He wasn't like top, like, the number one guy, but he set a bunch of like within second, third, and fourth ratings of within his right. tenure at the school. Yep. How uh, so, how big was this guy? He was six four two hundred, and I think he ran like oh, a four five. Wow. So he so was that's pretty a big. Still a, but that's a skinny guy for being six yeah, four. He was tall yeah. and skinny. Yeah. 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 So during his sophomore season, he was ejected and suspended for the final game of the season due to multiple unsportsmanlike conduct penalties versus Rutgers for celebrating the end zone twice, which we've talked about in the past. Kind of a bullshit thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. His coach actually would say he was like an embarrassment to the school and the program, and people were saying like he should quit playing football and shit, and I was just like, man, what a uptight era of sports. Yeah. So in 2005, Henry would be drafted by the Bengals in the third round. 
He would be suspended in 2007 for violating the conduct policy and would then be waived in 2008 after another arrest. President of the Bengals, Mike Brown, would explain that Henry lost his opportunity as a Bengal as his conduct could, his conduct could no longer be tolerated. One month later, he would sign a two-year contract as all the starting wide receivers were injured, so it goes to show ball above all else. Correct. He would serve a suspension that year for the first four games of the year, and 2009 would be his final season with the Bengals. And his, In his last game, he would break his forearm in a catch against the Ravens, putting him on IR. So we're going to break down the arrests here and why he was suspended, as I mentioned earlier. Yeah. So in, in 2005, he was pulled over for speeding, was searched, and was found to have weed in his shoe, as well as driving without a license or insurance. He would plead guilty and serve no time. One of those things, not a big deal, right? Whatever. Right. In 2006, he was arrested for concealing a firearm and aggravated assault with a firearm, which I don't know what that means because I'm pretty sure if you pistol whip somebody, like, that's, you go to federal prison for that kind of shit. Battery. Yeah. So I don't, I, I, it must be like intimidation or like something like that. I didn't. Or maybe like firing a gun in the air. Yeah, that's true. So he was wearing his jersey at the time of his arrest. He pled guilty and served no time. <laughs> so in 2006, he brought an 18-year-old, a 16-year-old, and a 15-year-old to his hotel in Kentucky where he allowed them to drink. The 18-year-old would accuse him of assault, but would later be recounted and was charged with filing a false police report, which, back at the time, I, I would like to believe the victim, and maybe they were pressured. I don't know. I'm not a judge. So allegedly, we'll just say to cover our asses. Sure. In 2006, he was again arrested for drinking and driving with a .092 blood alcohol content. He would be suspended for two games following this. Grooming is cool, but drunk driving isn't according to the NFL. (laughs) So in 2007, he broke a keg law, which I had to look up, and it basically means that if you scratch off, destroy, or hide the manufacturer of the keg on said keg, it's it's a crime. And he was sentenced to nine... Yeah, I don't know why that is. I'm assuming it's because Anheuser-Busch controls a large portion of Congress, and they're like, hey, we're just going to make yeah. this a crime. Right. So he he was sentenced to 90 days in jail with all but two... Um, what's it called when you get... Credit for time uh, served? Yeah, so he did that. Yeah, yeah. He would then be suspended for this action and warned that his potential in the NFL could end based on Roger Goodell's um, conversation with him. So in 2007, he was arrested for assaulting a valet in Kentucky, was, but was found not guilty in 2008. In 2008, he punched an 18-year-old and threw a beer bottle through their window of their car because he thought it was a person that owed him money, and it was what he said, a case of state, mistaken identity. And this would be the final uh, straw for the Bengals where he would actually be waived. Yeah. Really? In 2009, Henry fell out of the back of a moving truck being driven by his fiancée during domestic dispute and was dragged behind the truck for an undisclosed distance. He would, die two, he would die two days later due to what would be classified as blunt force head trauma. No, child's, no charges Jesus. were filed against his fiancée. Yeah. What? I can't believe yeah. you don't remember this, Ryan. No. This was a big deal. He was like, how are no, how are no, char- how are no charges filed? Because That's... he was, from my understanding, if I recall correctly, it was because she was trying to leave an altercation that he was instigating, and he jumped in the back of the pickup truck as she oh. sped off. 
That's my understanding. Okay. I don't quote me on that. That's just what I remember <laughs> from from 14 years ago. Yeah, that yeah. makes more sense. Yeah. And there was also no other like trauma to his body or blood or alcohol in his blood content. So that's basically like the, the most normal assumption. Yeah. Um, okay. and, and in a weirdly complex moment by the Bengals, their president said our football team watched a guy mature as a young man and work through adversity, becoming a beacon of hope, Oof. which is a, like a very weird PR statement to make, given the context of what I just gave everybody. Yeah. Um, three days later, they would go to Qualcomm to face the Chargers. Where, and there was a moment of silence before then. And I believe from week 15 to 17, there was a, week, a moment of silence before every um, kickoff of um, games. Yeah. And in 2010, the Brain Injury Research Institute of West Virginia University reported that Henry had CTE. So due to the circumstances of Henry's death, he technically is the first active NFL player to be diagnosed with CTE, as he was still an active NFL player when the, the diagnosis. Wow. Uh, oh, it, interesting yeah because i had to like the way it was phrased i was like i thought you could only know if someone died so due to that technicality he is like the first active nfl player yeah Um, yeah and henry was also the first person to open the eyes of the general consensus of cte as he had no formal diagnosis of concussions during his time as a player in college or the nfl um it was basically it opened up the eyes of people that ct is formed from micro uh, right, contact right. with the brain hundreds if not thousands of times of being you know your brain just being rattled your head getting rattled yeah yeah so it is believed that the damage to his brain was a motivator of his behavior off the field i'm technically a little suspect of that just based on the timeline and how it kind of was always a thing but i'm not a doctor so i can't make assumptions on that one sure all of his organs were donated and saved the lives of four people, and all of his kids were raised by former oh, awesome. teammate Adam Pacman Jones. Uh oh! Wow. Who was a former yeah, teammate? Right. For all you people out there, if you're not, if you don't sign your license and be an organ donor, do it now. Yeah, just do it. What do you care? It, you're fucking dead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Donate your organs. Save someone else's life. And that's Chris Henry. All, all right. right. That's pretty cool that he signed his back of his driver's license. Got to give him that. <laughs> so mine is CTE free. But I have to bring us down a little bit and I have to call back to last week to remind all of you. And I think I want to do this weekly before I start each segment. Uh, last I checked at uh, about 9 p.m. Henry Kissinger is not dead yet. No. What? He's still alive, so we'll check on that next week. As the calendar shifts over from October to November, I thought that I would stay timely and do a history of the NFL and Thanksgiving Day games. I like that. I like yeah. that. Good, because yeah. I, didn't, I didn't write anything else, so it's this or nothing. <laughs> um, so first we're going to do a brief history, and then we're going to talk about some notable games. The league has had games on Thanksgiving since the 20s, since like the early days. The Lions... For real? Host- oh, yeah. So it's even it goes back even further. So so the Lions have hosted the early game of the day since 1934 and the Cowboys have hosted the afternoon game since 1966. Yeah, I knew the I knew the Lions and Cowboys tradition, but I didn't think it went back almost or over 100 years to the Great Depression. Yeah. Um yeah. the third late game was added in 2006 and has been a staple ever since. Uh, this year, we have the first ever Black Friday game, 
which is played at 11 a.m. out by Shane and 1 p.m. in God's favorite time, Central Standard. That's right. And we will be gathering for that, and we will have our second Thanksgiving meal for that game. Oh, That'll be dude. great. And That'd you'll be, be using your TV that you bought on Amazon.com during Black Friday <laughs> to watch the game on Prime Vision. Shout out to Amazon.com and Prime Vision. Uh, <laughs> And then when sponsored, you're done, sponsored content. And then when you're done, just pop over to Universal Soldier, and you got yourself a Black right. Friday. There you yeah. go. So apparently, Thanksgiving football has been in existence since 1876 at the college level. Wow. What? Yeah. So this goes this goes back to the Yale days. Then when I talked about Connecticut, huh? Funny you should say that because Yale and Princeton started it realizing oh, that since, yeah. since most people had the day off of work, it would be a big draw. And apparently even back then, everyone still hated their family and wanted to leave <laughs> of course, on, yeah. on Thanksgiving. Um, also should be noted that in 1876, America also was still currently in the midst of mass slaughtering indigenous people. That is correct. Custer's last stand is happening while there's Thanksgiving football going on at the same time in this country. Well, you got to distract people from what's going on. You <laughs> no know. shit, right? <laughs> so, so football on Thanksgiving became a tradition at Michigan, and then a bunch of high schools started doing it. And then, as soon as the NFL became a thing, so did Thanksgiving football. Interesting. <clears throat> so, there's only been two Thanksgiving games, Thanksgiving slates since 1934 to not feature the Lions. And it was 1939 and 1940 during an era called Frank's Giving. Why? Okay, FDR changed the date of Thanksgiving. I didn't. I didn't what? know this. Well, that was part of the New Deal. Dude, <laughs> <laughs> so, so in 1939, Thanksgiving was on November 30th, and the Secretary of Commerce said to FDR, "Like, yo, dude." If we have it on November 30th, we lose a week of holiday shopping. Um, okay. So when Abe Lincoln started the custom of Thanksgiving, it was celebrated on the last Thursday of November. So FDR ended up changing it to the fourth Thursday in November. Oh. All right. So several states, tell me if this sounds familiar. Several states were like, no, we refuse to accept the new date of Thanksgiving. Absolutely not. Did Matt Stafford's wife protest this? Do you have a list of the states that protested or no? No, but that would be really fun. Um, okay. One of the states that was not bitching about it was Pennsylvania. So the Eagles and Steelers were the teams in the same state that could play and wouldn't make it a big thing. So then... Actually, after the 1939 and 1940 games between the Eagles and Steelers, the league didn't have any Thanksgiving games again until 1945 because of some bullshit going on in Europe and Asia. Sure. Um, the only time the evening game hasn't been played on Thanksgiving since its invention in 2006 was in 2020, which you may remember when COVID postponed the oh, Steelers. Yeah, yeah. Remember the Steelers-Ravens game that yeah. they had to play the next Wednesday? Yeah. They played the, the Wednesday before Thursday night football. They couldn't postpone it anymore. And it was on uh, like it was on like at like two p.m. or some shit. Yeah, yeah. And I remember I was at gone. I was like yeah I was like streaming it at work. I remember. <laughs> so uh, let's uh, go through a few other notable Thanksgiving Day games from history. In 1952. There was a team, an expansion team, that only played one season, and they were called the Dallas Texans. 
All right. Okay. So, so their Thanksgiving game or their game got moved to Thanksgiving against the Bears. And it was the undercard to a high school football game in Akron, Ohio. What? Dude, I don't know the circumstances of that shit. The Bears saw the winless Dallas Texans and sent their second string team to play. And the Texans got the only win in their franchise history that day. <laughs> yeah, that rules. I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out. I'm like, wait, the Dallas. But now that I remember all my research, the Cowboys didn't start till 1960. So that makes sense. Yeah, right. So in 1976, the Lions beat the Bills 27 to 14 in a game that's noteworthy because O.J. Simpson set the then NFL rushing record in that game with 273 yards. But oh, they, yeah. they lost because Buffalo's starting quarterback completed four of 21 passes for 29 yards. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that the, the line from the Jets game last week? Yeah. The, Pretty much. Yeah. The Danny DeVito guy. Yeah. <laughs> So in 1989, the Eagles wailed on the Cowboys. They beat them 27 to nothing in a game that would be going going on to known as I I don't know words. Uh, it was called the Bounty <laughs> Bounty Bowl, where the Cowboys alleged that the Eagles put bounties on their players, and this started like a little mini feud. Um, so it was Bounty Bowl, Bounty Bowl Two, and the Pork Chop Bowl, respectively. Nice. Um. This is a pretty Sean famous. Pay- Sean Payton. Sean Payton in no way was part of any of that. Not yet. What, probably. Is. What an unoriginal hack. Yeah. Yeah, he was probably still a player. I think being a scab. But... So in 1993, uh, you guys may have seen this. It's on every low light tape ever. The Cowboys were leading Miami 14-13 in the snow for some reason, with a few seconds left. Miami went to kick the game-winning field goal, and it was blocked by Dallas. The ball went past the line of scrimmage, which means when the ball stops moving, the play is blown dead. The ball was spinning, and for some reason, Cowboys defensive end Leon Lett tried to pick it up, but he slipped and fell, knocking the ball forward, making it a live ball. The Dolphins recovered on the two-yard line and then kicked the game-winning field goal. Damn. Uh Uh-huh. Got two more. I want to do the 1998 slate. Uh, in the Rome, the early game, Jerome Bettis hilariously called both heads and tails for the overtime coin toss. The ref decided that he said heads, though Bettis claimed that he called tails. And uh, the flip ends up going heads. The Lions get the ball and win on their first drive. Wow. Did he invent gaslighting? Right, right. <laughs> and, then, and then just, you know, if that wasn't good enough for you, in the, the afternoon game, Randy Moss had that nuclear game against the Cowboys where he caught three passes for 163 yards and three touchdowns. That's so, what a wild stat. <laughs> Those are literally Rashid Shahid numbers. That's right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Last but not least, I want to talk about the 2012 games of slate, which are hilarious in their own right. Ironically, the butt fumble in my mind is not the funniest thing that happened that day. No, no. We all know the butt fumble. Everyone's seen the butt fumble. But I'm shout out to Walker. I'm sorry. This is going to be some lion slander here. Um, a lot of people remember the butt fumble, but not enough people remember the Jim Schwartz rule. All right. Texans are in Detroit. Running back Justin Forsett's knee clearly touched on the ground. And he goes off and has an 80-yard touchdown run. And it's ruled a touchdown on the field. So Lions coach Jim Schwartz throws his challenge flag, which he did not need to do. Right? Because it's a scoring play. 
Sure. So, so since a coach attempted to challenge a play that was already up for automatic review, the challenge was canceled, the review was nullified, the touchdown counted, and the Lions were penalized 15 yards for unsportsmanlike conduct. <laughs> Classic <laughs> uh, Lions. The Lions would go on to lose 34 to 31. Um, since then, the Jim Schwartz rule has declared that if a coach throws a challenge flag on a play that is automatically reviewed, the review still happens. Really? And, uh, yep. And so that, my friends, is a people's history of the NFL on Thanksgiving. Hell yeah. I like that one. That was good. Pretty good. Thank you. Um, so let's hop into the decision bot 42,020 and, uh, and pump you out a DFS lineup. So we'll see you guys on the other side. Let's go. And goodbye. Bulls yep. just lost to the Nets. God damn it. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so we've stepped out of the other side of time. Um, we are Time Lords, and this is our super flex lineup. We're going Josh Allen, and we're pairing him with Dalton Kincaid. Ryan, Ryan, you've been harping on a Dalton Kincaid breakout for a couple weeks now. Is this the third straight week that we see a great performance? I think so. I think he's good for a touch, another touchdown, and... 40, 50, 60 yards, something like that. Okay. Um, Dawson Knox is still out. And this game should hopefully be a decent shootout. I think there's going to be probably, you know, hopefully there's like a good four or five lead changes uh, between the two teams. Uh, Burrow's looking like he's coming back into his form, which should only help. Buffalo need to pass more, so I like I like that sec. Okay, uh, Shane, you you were big on Henderson. We were kind of both like, "Yep, let's get Hendo." Why? Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about him in my prop section. So okay, a little, little, little teaser there. Save it. All right. So Josh Allen, Dalton Kincaid, uh, Jonathan Taylor is our flex. I pointed out to the guys when we were doing research that even though they've only played seven games, the Carolina Panthers have allowed nine top 24 running back finishes this season in half PPR. That's so bad. What does that mean for the Texans, right? Cause we talked a bunch of shit about how that game should have been a smash. Does that just prove Texas isn't as good as we thought? Or did, I, was, was that just a weird, like post bye week they came back? I watched that game and just, they just couldn't get first downs. Nobody can yeah, get I a think... first gear. I think it's that, and um, Stroud started out the year so good with his numbers that he's bound to drop back to reality. And who yeah. knows? They could have went. In, they could have went into that game thinking like, "Oh, we're just gonna freaking throw for 350 yards and win this game." And Carolina said, "No, we we have yet to win a game, and we're gonna win this fucking game." And that's yep. what they did. Um. We all we all kind of agreed that one of the the stacks that we like in this in this week is Adam Thielen and Jonathan Taylor. So we did what we had to do to get both. Um, we love JT. We love Adam Thielen. We couldn't decide on which one, so we just said, "Fuck it, let's make it happen." Um, Ryan stumped hard for Zay Flowers, and it's Zay Flowers. I'm not gonna. I don't like betting against really good football players. 
It's the number one target on Baltimore's offense. And if for some reason Geno Smith finds a way to throw against Baltimore's uh, defense, then say flowers it is. I fear that that game is going to be a disappointment for fantasy purposes. Like every other Baltimore game this year. Yep. <laughs> yep. I feel, I feel bad, man. Sometimes I ponder the orb too strong where I'm like, I don't want this. I don't want the negative shit. I want the good ponder, but right. Yeah. But I, th- right. I think Zay, I think Zay flowers is going to be good for four or five receptions and a touchdown. So, okay. He seems like a really good, safe 12 point floor. Yeah. And then, my my sicko mode second quarterback is uh, McCorkle Jones. Um, <laughs> is it because I, he busted out the sickest gritty last week? That was pretty sick. Uh, I want to point out that Washington has allowed seven quarterback one games this season. No other team has allowed more than five. Um, no. they've, given, they've given up more than two passing, two or more passing touchdowns in every game except two this season. And they're on a five-game streak of that. Washington's defense has got awful. And it got uh, worse. It sure did. It got twice as worse over the week. So I am unfortunately betting on a player that I don't think is talented, but I think will be incredibly low-owned. So there we go. Ryan, why don't you tell us about your mid-tier kind of shitty tight end of the week? So I had some really good success last week. Uh, as we all know, Jake Ferguson uh, caught a touchdown within the first 10 minutes. Uh, it was <laughs> like at 12-10. Um, oh, yeah. So that happened. Um, so guess what? FanDuel still has him at 5,100. So my mid-tier kind of shitty tight end of the week is going to be Jake Ferguson. Oh, hell yeah. Four for 47 and a touchdown last week. And guess what? They're playing Philly this week. Most likely they're going to be playing from behind. So that means Ferguson's going to get a bunch more targets. And what does Philadelphia's defense suck at the most? Defending the pass. Uh, As we pointed out earlier, Mac Jones has had one of his best games of the year against Philly. And that was when (laughs) that was when New England was, you know, not doing so well. Some other guys you could look at. Uh, this week, um, I like uh, Luke Musgrave's uh, resurgence coming back. I think he might have a decent week, uh, three, four tar- three, four receptions and a touchdown. And another one, I know Stafford uh, potentially might not play, but that could bode well for Tyler Higby. He's at 5,000, seven targets last week, 45 yards. But ultimately, this week, again, it's going to be Jake Ferguson for my mid-tier kind of shitty tight end of the week. Big Ferg. We love Big Ferg in this house. Um, okay, it's Jake Ferguson, Luke Musgrave, Tyler Higby. I'm also all about... Uh, I've had a couple DFS lineups with Luke Musgrave in them already as well. Uh, Shane, right. tell us what you got in terms of player props this week. I got four. Some of them are in our um, DFS, DFS lineup. So my first line is... Uh, Daryl Henderson over 44.5 rushing yards. Green Bay gives up the 10th most rushing yards NFL with an average of four yards per carry with a with the bye week. So they're higher up on the average rate. Sure. Henderson's only competition right now is Royce Freeman. And with a questionable Stafford or a hobbled Stafford, I believe it's going to be a, I personally believe it's going to be a positive game script because Green Bay, even though they are the favorite 
with Vegas. I think they're a much worse team than the Rams, and they're going to be a better coached team. And that's I think 44 yards is pretty easy against a bad rush defense. And I think, especially with the Stafford being hobbled, they're going to try to lean on the rushing game more to preserve him for as long as possible. I agree totally with that game script. The next one, I have Zach Moss over 43.5 rushing yards. I know Tony just gave us that stat about the Carolina giving up uh, top 24 to two players on the same teams, and I think this is another instance of that because JT has a lingering injury. We saw that last week. Uh, He has got some ankle ankle issues. Uh, Carolina is the third worst rushing defense, and the coaches have stated that the only reason why JT hasn't gotten 20 touches a game is because Zach, Zach Moss has been so productive. I think he's averaging like 4.7 yards a carry right now. Yeah, he's crushing it. And if he receives 11 touches like he's been consistently doing it, this seems pretty easy against this defense. I agree. I do have a hater bet this week. Geno Smith under 235 passing yards. Ooh. So Baltimore has given up the least amount of fantasy points to the quarterback this year compared in the entire NFL and has averaged about 209 yards per game. They are also the fourth most passed team with an with an average of four point four sorry five point four six yards per attempt. So the downside of this though is that Gino does tend to throw the ball more than thirty attempts per game, but he is regressing. And I can see we talked off air about this, but this game getting pretty ugly and sure. a lot of sputtering within mm-hmm. the offense, and they might have to lean for how much Pete Carroll wants to talk about Zach Charbonnet. They might have well, to actually like run the ball this week. What was what was your line? How many yards? Two thirty-five. Okay, right now on the sports book on FanDuel Sportsbook, he's only at two twenty-two and a half. So wow, that's really good. I I like that line. Cool. And the last one is another one of our guys this week is Adam Thielen over sixty-nine point five yards. Thielen has only been under seventy-two yards twice this season. It was the first two games of the year, and he's averaging about ten targets per game with around ten point two yards per reception. I say this, and it's going to blow up in my fucking face like it always does, but this feels like easy money. Yeah, let's see. He's at right now. Thielen is at wow. His his line is so juice. It's minus one seventy-two over five and a half receptions. I'll put that in a parlay. His yardage is at 65 and a half right now on the sports book. I'll take that all day. Who's stupid now? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, I have feeling everywhere. My Campbelltown show bet is I took it. I took adjusted lines. I took feeling over five and a half feeling over 50 receiving yards. And then Jonathan Taylor over 67 and a half rushing yards. I might even do like a Thielen Zach Moss parlay. I think that you're 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 cooking, as the kids say. That might be a good same game parlay, uh, especially with the boost they got. There was like a fifty percent boost out there, I think. Yep, that is uh, that's good. So we have, in terms of predicting a future, we have Jake Ferguson, Luke Musgrave, Tyler Higby, Daryl Henderson over forty-four and a half rushing yards, Zach Moss over forty-three and a half rushing yards. Geno Smith under 235 and a half passing yards. Adam Thielen over 69 and a half rushing yards. My favorite FanDuel line of the week that I think is just like free money and I wanted to pick a weird one to share with you. Saquon Barkley over 18 and a half rush attempts. Really? That's it? Okay. Yeah, that's all. So 
Uh, there's going to be a lot of Saquon this week. Anyways. Oh, hell yeah. They got nothing else. Ryan, my guy. Let's take a trip. All right. Tony, strike up that banjo music, all right? <laughs> we're going We're going to the place. All right. All For some reason, I don't know why this keeps happening. I know it's a big river system. But most of most of my cities tie in some way to the Lewis and Clark expedition, right? Well, let's we're gonna go to where the Lewis and Clark expedition started. All right, we're going to the place where Tony Dorsett is from. We're going to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay, okay. All right. So Pittsburgh, uh, as we all know, the famous picture of the skyline of Pittsburgh. It's where the Monagalala River and the Allegheny River meet and that becomes the headwaters of the Ohio River, right? Okay. So this is where Lewis and Clark started their position uh, exposition because it, it, the Ohio River, as we all know, flows into the Mississippi and the Mississippi you can take up to where the Missouri River flows into the Mississippi and that's how they got over to their famous starting point in Missouri. Uh, and the Missouri River. Okay. Um, did you know that Pittsburgh has the single largest artist museum in North America? That's the Andy Warhol Museum. Because Andy okay. Warhol is from uh, the Pittsburgh area. The polio vaccine was developed in Pittsburgh and became rapidly introduced in America in, in the 50s. And that's one of the reasons why there's no polio anymore. Um, the first heart and liver transplant were ever, ever performed were done in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has a very modern uh, medical uh, society to this day. And they actually have a bunch of other, like uh, they did the first ever like double lung transplant. They're on the fourth forefront a lot of these uh, transplant things that happened back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. Okay. The Big Mac was invented in Pittsburgh. Wow. Alright. So we all know that McDonald's started in the 50s with Ray Kroc and, and displays in the Chicagoland area. But, you know, it was really, it was originally just, you know, a single patty hamburger, fries, and like, you know, shakes and malts and drinks like that. Sure. But, the Big Mac was developed at a Pittsburgh McDonald's and is now the staple and is also the number one item sold in McDonald's. It is also on the menu when you order the number one. That is the Big Mac meal. That's true. That's true. Can't deny that. That's I'm right. a number two man. I'm a, I'm a double cheeseburger <laughs> guy. Okay. Respect. Yeah, I, I like a double cheeseburger, but Big Mac's good sometimes too. There, uh, Pittsburgh boasts, uh, this is like, what's the word I'm looking for? It's it's unconfirmed, but they they boast some of the most bridges in America. They have within their 50 or 100 square mile area, they have 445 bridges because of all the, uh, the rivers that flow through that area. Okay. You guys ever had a Klondike bar? Yep. Who has? What would you do for what would you do for a Klondike? I'll give you two dollars. <laughs> that was invented. That was invented in Pittsburgh. Sure. Tony, you're gonna love this. 
I do. There are over 600 metal bands in the Pittsburgh area. And Pittsburgh is the third most metal city in America in a study conducted by the magazine Metal Sucks. I'm not surprised. Um, do you want to hear a funny Metal Sucks story now that you mentioned it? Sure. Uh, my band was did a song um, after Trump got elected. We did a compilation album and every band that submitted a song on it like donated their portion of the proceeds to like whatever fund they wanted to so we did Planned Parenthood and and like Closet Witch was on there Shane I don't know if you're familiar with Closet Witch like some good some good hardcore bands were on this comp and it got reviewed by Metal Sucks and there were 14 bands on the comp and they specifically mentioned by name 13 of them guess which one they didn't mention (laughs) 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 fuck you Metal Sucks anyway sorry Ryan go on so this is also the birthplace of the Rooney family, who still owns the Steelers, I'm, I think, to this day, right? Yeah. Um, and was also, uh, Pittsburgh was also, they also hosted the first ever uh, World Series for baseball and the first ever professional football game. I'm thinking that's when it was, I don't think it was like, you know how they had in the East Coast where it wasn't quite professional yet. Right. You know what I'm saying? But this was yeah. where the first professional game was played. It's not where like the first ever football game was played. Sure. Alright. So we've got a lot of famous people from Pittsburgh. Yes. So let's let's break down this list of people. Alright. We'll we'll start with because there's a lot of sports people from the city. Um, but we'll start with some some other people, alright? Um We've got Philip Glass, a famous American composer. Uh, If you know anything about Philip Glass, he's a famous wind ensemble composer. I played a lot of his music in college and high school um, in wind ensemble. He just wrote some of of the greatest American themes. We've got George A. Romero, uh, director of Night of the Living Dead. Yes, sir. Dawn of the Dead is a great movie. I watched that this week. Yeah. And speaking yeah. of Dawn of the Dead, Tom Savini, the guy that did all the makeup. Yeah. Uh, a lot of music people uh, from this uh, area, too. We've got Wiz Khalifa is from Pittsburgh. Black and yellow. We've got, we've got Mac Miller uh, developed his career in Pittsburgh. You know, I, I met Mac Miller. Really? Uh, yeah, I worked I worked at one of his shows. And it was the night Frank Ocean played on SNL. So, like, I took my break and I watched oh, Frank really? Ocean play, play on SNL. And I was in, like, the crew lounge. And Mac Miller walked in and we just, like, watched Frank Ocean play live. I'm like, bro, Frank Ocean rules. And he's like, yeah, it's my boy. <laughs> I was like, cool, dude. Have a good night. That was it. Hell yeah. Uh, we've got we've got uh, Bobby Blotzer, uh, drummer for Rat. <laughs> awesome. Uh We've got Justin Sane, the lead guitarist for Anti-Flag. Oh, he's been wicked canceled. Yep. Uh, let's see. Uh, we've got some famous actors and um, comedians uh, from this town. We've got Dennis Miller, famous comedian. Oh, um, God. 
<laughs> We've got Anthony Jeselnik, uh, modern comedian. We've got Steve Byrne, modern comedian. Uh, we've got Jillian Jacobs, uh, actress from, you know, like Community and Love on Netflix and a bunch of shows. Sure. Um, Mr. Rogers is from yep. Pittsburgh area. Well, Ryan, did you uh, know, did you know that Mr. Rogers got George Romero his start in, uh, the film industry? I did not. Yeah. George Romero actually was like a young, like fresh out of college aspiring director and mr rogers let him direct a lot of his segments um really and and so george romero credits that as like his foot into the industry and up until mr rogers's death he went to all of the romero movies like in the theaters to support his friend for real yeah damn we've also got jimmy stewart you know famous <laughs> uh actor from the 30s or the 50s famously from it's a wonderful life yep uh we've got michael keaton the original batman uh in movies sorry not in show in movies <laughs> uh, we all know we all know adam west was the original batman uh, we've got uh actor charles groden famously from beethoven movies <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh We've got Jeff Goldblum is from the Pittsburgh area. Okay, real quick. I rewatched Jurassic Park like maybe like two years ago. Okay. And Jeff Goldblum, like that was a movie that was marketed towards kids. He is way too horny in that movie. <laughs> yeah. He's horny in every movie he's in, dude. That, and like... that's fair. <laughs> and that's fair. But like I'm watching this and I'm like, this man was built to fuck. Like this is a kid. He's hanging out with kids, and he's got four buttons undone on his shirt. Dude, he saw that dinosaur cloaca, and he's like, "I know what to do here." <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, we've also got Kurt Angle, uh, professional yes. wrestler. You My should guy. watch the documentary. You should watch the Kurt Angle documentary. It's really good. Yeah. We've all we all know we all know that uh, you know the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, stadium used to be known as Heinz Field. This is where ketchup was invented by Henry J. Heinz and the famous uh, company. Heinz. Every white, every white person in America is clapping so hard right now. <laughs> Hell yeah, ketchup. Uh, we know our demographic. Mark Cuban is from Cubes. the Pittsburgh area. Cubes. Yep. All right, now let's talk about some sports players. This is why this is why we're here. Let's talk about the sports players, all right? We've got Bobby Lowe, the first player in the MLB to hit four home runs in a game. We've got TJ McConnell, a uh, basketball player. Okay. We've got uh, Brendan Todd, a uh, PGA um, Tour golfer who's still on the tour today. Um, we've got Brandon Saad. I don't know if you remember him, Tony. He was yeah. on the Blackhawks a few yep. years ago. Uh, he's from the Pittsburgh area. And he, he plays out in somewhere out east now. He got traded. Um, Pat McAfee, famous punter. Famous clown. Famous punter. clown, Pat McAfee. Punter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, great Bears receiver, uh, Brandon Marshall, is, yeah. from, is from Pittsburgh. He's involved uh, with Josh McDaniels because Josh McDaniels benched him for disciplinary reasons and it yep. cost him the game. Yep. Sure did. Uh, Hall of, as I said earlier, Hall of Fame running back Tony Dorsett. 
Uh, we've also got on uh, some other running backs. We've got Larry Brown. We've got Curtis Martin. We've got uh, Joe Namath, famous quarterback uh, for the Jets, is from Pittsburgh. We got another famous Hall of Fame quarterback, Dan Marino, is from this area. There you go. Another Hall of Fame quarterback, Jim Kelly, is from this area. All right. Yeah. Uh, Mark Bolger, uh, if you don't remember him from the last 20 years. But, all right, one of the most famous quarterbacks from Pittsburgh, and one of the reasons I chose this city to correlate with this episode, all right? Matt Schaub is from Pittsburgh, all right, (laughs) who holds the record famously for having four consecutive games with a pick six. Whoa. Whoa. And you'll never you'll never believe who has never thrown a pick six. He's not from this area, but I, I found this stat when I was looking up Shaw's Shaw statistics. Take a guess, Tony. Former former Bears quarterback. Yeah, I already know who it is. It's Mr. Trubisky. He's never thrown a pick six. Yep. Yep. Never thrown a nope. pick six. Don't know how. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how either playing for the Bears, but somehow he never threw a pick six. But Matt Chop famously four games in a row with a pick six. I think he holds the record to this day with most pick sixes. Or no, no, it's not. I think it's Favre. I think it's Favre actually, because he played for so long. Uh, There was. uh, I remember at that time. There was like a Houston restaurant, like a burger joint that had the Matt Shop burger where you just get a bun and then you have to pick six ingredients. <laughs> hey, I will say I figured out why Atlanta's so bad. Cause Matt Sh- Matt Schaub is an analyst for the Falcons right now. There you Are go. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. But there that's um that's famous city Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I have one guy that you missed that I wanted to talk about because you hit on all the ones that I was thinking about. Sure. There was an American football player. He was uh, a coach at Pitt, played at Pitt. Um, I I really, I don't really know much about him. I was just saw the name and really wanted to bring it up. Football player by the name of Jack Sack. <laughs> I did see that. <laughs> Jack Sack, dude. <laughs> There was just so many famous people from this town. I, I remember seeing that. Jack uh, Sack. So that's a good one. That's um, funny. Also, shout out Britt Baker, I, DMD. She's from Pittsburgh. Hell yeah. I hope you enjoyed our trip to Pens- Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Uh, we didn't even mention Pittsburgh toilets, which we have in the past no. quite a few times yeah. on this show. I felt, I felt we already covered that, so that's I felt true. we didn't need it. That's true. Um, so that's it. That's this is episode one hundred and five. Week nine is approaching. Uh, what's the best game of the week, guys? Oh my God! It's the Germany game. It's Kansas City Miami. It's going to be, be asleep. That doesn't count. Shane, <laughs> it only starts at five thirty in the morning. Come on. <laughs> um, I think the Dallas Philadelphia game is going to be the highest scoring game. Okay. Oh yeah, I, I, that'll be a good game too. I think. Yeah. Some I, fans are going to get really mad. That's all that matters. I am going to just be crazy here, and you probably could have picked this up from what we've talked about today, but I think Washington, New England is going to just be fucking points. Oh, shit. 62 to 58. <laughs> there you go. Ryan, Don't what's the game? <laughs> so you said, you said 
uh, the Germany game? Yeah, I said Miami okay. KC. Okay. All right. Well, until uh, until next week, friends. Next week uh, we'll have Evan Hoover on as well. So we're gonna start doing our guest oh, yeah? episodes. Yeah, and uh, we Hell look yeah. forward to we look forward to seeing you guys next week. So thanks for coming by, and we'll check you soon. Yeah, great Peace. episode, guys. Yeah. Good night. I hope they fucking win. <laughs>